Uh, who's ready for Christmas? Come on, anybody ready for Christmas? How many of y'all got a few gifts already for people? Okay, good, good. How many of you said, man, I hadn't even thought about it. Okay. Well, you know, I got, it was crazy. I got my first Christmas card, like, I don't know, what, Saturday or something? I go, this is not even right. It's from my friend David DeGarmo, you know, Pastor Dave. And I'm like, this isn't even right. The brother's sending out Christmas cards, not even December. You're making the rest of us look bad. And his picture of his family on the beach is kind of, and he looks like a movie star. He really does. And I'm like, that's not fair. But, um, you know, as this, Chris, as this uh, season comes, a Christmas season comes, there are a lot of things. We're, we're celebrating Advent. And the word Advent means coming or arrival. And, you know, a lot of times for, for us as Christians, it's far more, it's far more just a celebration of some historic, you know, uh, moment 2,000 years ago. But I believe Advent is a celebration that Christ has come, that his power is at work in this present time, in this present hour. How many of you believe that? And I believe that he will return, and this time, not as a baby, but as a ruling king. Amen. And and in uh, in Advent we look behind us and we go wow look what look at all but look at all the things that that happened but we also have to look forward because I believe this it, not only that is it forward to what's coming for us that He's coming back He's coming for His bride He's not coming back for a skinny bride He's coming for a babushka bride that means a big bride a healthy bride I mean I believe that God is patient and He wants all to come to know Christ Amen. And so what happens is for all of us, our plan uh, to walk alongside of you, that's what we want to do, to walk with one another in this holiday season, to turn our minds and our hearts, listen, and our hopes to Christ, that the fact that he has come, he has come, and not only that, the fact that he is at work in this world right now. And not only is he at work in this world right now, that he will return making all things new. Amen? You know, I mean, I, I believe this. You know, I go to a coffee shop in, in Jenny's, and I, the last couple of days I've come out, I'm just trying, I'm in a hurry. And there's two guys that I've talked to right after. And this one guy, his name's Sean, the first time I met him. And, well, I saw him a couple of weeks ago. I was in my hunting clothes coming back from a hunt. And, you know, and I was walking in, and, you know, I said, and he goes, hey, how's it going? I said, you're not supposed to see me. I'm supposed to be hiding. And, and, and you know, and we, so that's how we started a conversation. And then this, a, a couple of days ago, he just comes to me, he just like shares his heart. You ever have somebody just kind of just throw up on you about their life? I mean, he starts sharing, I lost a grandson, he was like two and a half, my heart had compassion. I, you know, he starts sharing all these things and everything, and at the end, at the end, I said, man, I just had a lot of compassion for him. He's not serving the Lord and all these different things, but he knows a lot about the Lord, but he doesn't really know the Lord. How I many you know people know a lot about the Lord, but really don't know the Lord? You know what I'm talking about? We're talking about it. And I just prayed for him, and I felt the Spirit of God just come and just rest on him. You know what I'm saying? And it's like after you, and I said, man, you know, and I, I didn't even invite him to church. He knows I'm the pastor, okay? And he, he told me he had a church and said, it's a good church. You need to go there. Be faithful to where God has called you to be. And I remember when I left, I could just sense there was something on him. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I believe this is, you know, Christmas is the most advertised, commercialized holiday in the world. You know, they get a whole month of advertising. Nowadays, more than a month. I mean, they were starting like in the beginning of November. That's like just wrong. You can't even eat a turkey and see Christmas. You know what I mean? And so the thing is, you know, it's like you would think it would be hard to miss Christmas. Don't, don't you think that? It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be hard to miss Christmas during this time. 
But can I just say Christmas, all the decorations, the lights, we already put our tree up. How many of you put your tree up yet? How many of you haven't put your tree up and now you feel pressure? Okay. But here it is. I mean, my wife, listen, I made an investment two years ago. I bought a fake tree and it's so good. I mean, if she wants to smell a tree, I can go get the spray. <laughs> Christmas tree smell. They have it. I mean, you just go get that sucker and lay that thing on, you know. And, and, and I mean, it's a good-looking tree. It looks real, you know. But the cool thing is it has lights in it, too. So, man, we bumped it up for the queen mother. And so, you know, and she's got all the decorations. She had my daughter-in-law that lives in Nashville helping her yesterday. She's kind of artistic. And, you know, they're just doing the tree. And she's in Christmas land and all these things that she likes to do. And she goes, Papa, are you just going to be in the Christmas spirit this year? And I'm like, hmm, hum, yeah. You know, but the thing is, you know, you see all the lights, the parties, the cards, the music, and shopping, movies, carols. Can I just say something? You can miss Christmas for the same three reasons people missed it over 2,000 years ago. They missed it. They missed Christmas. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you the three reasons why we miss the Christ of Christmas. And I'm just going to give you three biblical examples. And that's and then I'm going to be done. Is that okay? But I'm believing. Let's just pray. I want the Spirit of God to come and open our eyes and check our hearts and our spirits and our souls this morning. Father, we just Holy Spirit, we just invite you. We invite you. We know that you are you are sensitive and you want to come. Lord, if there be anything that's grievous in our hearts, just take it away. Forgive us. Pray that, God, that you would just come in this place and you would simply speak. We would hear you. But, Lord, we do something greater, greater than the word of God, greater than what you. Anything else is we'd walk in obedience to what your spirit has to say. So, Father, come and make everything I share real. Open our eyes, take the scales off our eyes and let them fall. Give us Jesus contact lenses that we see like you want us to see. God, open our hearts to receive all that you want us to receive in Jesus name. Amen. You know, the first guy that I want to talk about is the guy, the innkeeper. And, and he missed Christmas because he was too busy. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Turn with me to Luke chapter two. And it just says this. And it says, and she brought forth her firstborn son. Chapter two, verse seven. Is it on the screen? And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And look what it says. Because there was what? No room for them in the end. Circle the room, the the word, no room. No room. For the innkeeper's perspective, this was good news. Business is good for him. How many of you know if you own a business, business, if it's good, it's good. Come on. Everything's good. Everything's going great. Surely we can we could we could have rolled out. He, he could have rolled out a mat on the floor and say, hey, look, you know, you and your wife and y'all can sleep right here in my house. And, and you know, but 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 he was but he didn't do it. Busyness with his business caused him to miss the greatest opportunity. In his life. Just busyness. How many you know we can get busy during this time? And sometimes we're blinded because just a bit. Can you imagine the innkeeper? I mean, if he could have done a commercial, come stay at the number one hotel chosen by God himself. He missed out on that commercial. Think about it. I just, I mean, that's where my mind thinks. I mean, man, you think you got a hotel. God chose our hotel. 
you know, heavenly, you know, you meant heavenly sheets, heavenly mattress. You know, I mean, you can just go on. But that's the way people would do it nowadays. But anyway, but what happened, I don't think the innkeeper was evil man. He was just a busy man. You see, we can be just like the innkeeper. We're, we're preoccupied with shopping, decorating, going to parties that we may not have time for the Christ himself. See, let's not be too busy with our business to make room for Jesus, the Jesus of Christmas. You see, I'm talking about your schedule, your time, your budget, your plans. I, let me just say this. Why don't you just open it up? And God, this year, can I, just, can I just give you a challenge? Why don't you read the Christmas story for yourself? You know, one of the things I do every Christmas, we read the Christmas story before we open presents. Now, listen, my boys used to not enjoy it. We are reading the story, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're going to find out what Christmas, we're going to talk about what Christmas is really about. And the coolest thing, my youngest son, this past Christmas, he goes, can I read the Christmas story, Daddy? I said, absolutely. It was my thrill, my joy to let my, my baby boy, who's 12 now, and just the things he's walking through in his life, 12 years old, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, he said, Dad, my eyes are being opened. And you're like, oh, boy. And he said, you know, Dad, I'm at, he goes to a Christian school, but that doesn't, that doesn't keep you from people that live a different way or kids that live a different way. And he said, Dad, you know, I've had to make a choice. And he says, Some, I don't have very many friends anymore because I'm going to. And he told me, he said, Dad, and this is what he said. And you got to know my son. He goes, I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to be a doctor for God. And, you know, and, he said, and, and that doesn't mean it's easy. You know, he said at recess, sometimes I just have to sit there and the girls come talk to me. And, well, you know, I mean, 12, you know. And no, not a good thing right now. He still might get the cooties. But anyway, uh, but the thing is, is it y'all need to be educated anyway, just and the thing is, is it for him, you know, and it's like the neat thing is the reality of just being being raised in a Christian home, hearing what you got to do. Now he's living it out for himself. Do you understand what I'm saying? And for all of us is that. I hope that you're not too busy that you don't see that you're I, I hope that you're you're not busy that your eyes can't be open to seeing people around you. And even at the store, when people are frustrated and things like that, when you see that, what is it they have when they open it up? I don't know. Black Friday. I mean, people fighting over a toaster, man. One lady got three and another one's trying to grab one and she loses all of them. She goes. I mean, I'm like, golly, where's the Christmas spirit in that? You know, you know what I mean? I refuse to do things like that, you know? But here's the second thing. So we know that the innkeeper was busy. So watch your business. The second thing is King Harry. He was too fearful. What do you mean, Pastor? Some people fear Christmas. That's why they oppose the nativity scenes, because they're afraid of the message, the message of Christmas. You see, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 3, it says this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the raid of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. 
King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. See, Herod wasn't even Jewish. He was actually an Arab. He was an Arab. And what happened is he was under the authority, the Roman authority, and he was placed there by the Romans to rule and reign and to oppress the Jews. And if you don't know anything, his title, listen to this, this is pretty crazy. Maybe you didn't know that his title was this, King of the Jews. King of the Jews. So here are these Eastern guys coming from a foreign land, and we and they come and they say, Man, we hey man, we heard there's a newborn king of the Jews. Where is he born? Where is he? He was see, so when foreigners come and Herod hears that one is born and he's called the king of Jews, he was afraid. Say it with me, say afraid. He was paranoid that anyone was going to try to overthrow him. And the wild thing is, it's, it's crazy. This guy was a tyrant. He had, he had his wife, his mother, and two of his sons, and his brother-in-law. He had them killed because he thought they were going to overthrow him at different times in his reign. Can you imagine? A, how many of you know that's paranoid? How many of you met paranoid people? People just, do I look good? I mean, hey, these jeans look all right. I mean, uh, what, what, what if we get out there and they do this? I had a guy, I, I guide guys, and I guide this guy. He's got one of the largest churches in America. Great guy, friend of mine. And he just goes, what if there are mosquitoes out there? I go, I got mosquito spray. What if it's hot? I go, you can take your shirt off. If you can get... I mean, some people are paranoid about the stupidest things. But if you go prepared, you're okay. Hello? I don't know what he said, but that's good. Whatever. Huh? Hello. Hello. How's it going, buddy? So what happened is he had, a, he, he had all the prominent Jewish people, all the people that have authority and stuff, and he rounded them up and threw them in jail. Not only did he do that, we know that in Bethlehem, every child that was killed was two years old and under because he was fearful and he was under pressure. And they called it the massacre of the innocents. That's what that whole th- thing in, that, in Jewish culture is a massacre of, of the innocents. See, Herod's deepest fear problem wasn't he didn't want anybody else to be able to control him but him. He didn't want any else, anyone else to be king because he wanted to be king. Too many people have the same attitude Herod had. They say they don't want Jesus in their life because that means they have to give control. Because, see, when Jesus comes, he acts like a king. He didn't ask for permission. If you give him permission, he will come and he will be like a king. He will tell you what you need to do. Hello. How many of you have a hard time with people telling you what to do? How many of you have an inner rebel inside of you? How many of you got in trouble when you were a kid in school and people told you to do something? Jamie, put your hand down. And, and <laughs> too much advertisement, son. And I mean, and, and you were just a rule breaker. How many, you, how, many you got, how many rule breakers we got up in here? Come on, y'all don't look at me like I'm funny. I can see it right now. And see, what happens is, is that most people want Jesus to as a nice spiritual friend but they don't want him as king. See, as long as he can, you know, you ever go to church sometimes? I have a friend, he told me, he says, you ever notice you go to some churches, God is in a box. I never thought about that. 
I say they go to the church, they take, they take the box out, they open the box, and there's a cup there, and they do all their little thing, and they put him back in the box, and they put him on the shelf. He's the God of the box. I never thought about that. Until he started, man, I never thought about that. People come to boxes. This is a box. Come on, you think about it. We're all sitting in a box. What are we going to do? Here's my question. What are you going to do with Jesus when he comes for you? Bad boy, bad boy. Anyway, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, come on. That just came to me. I don't know where that came from. But, but here's the thing. Are y'all with me? We, you were made by God and you were made for God. Okay? And until you realize that your life will never make sense. You'll be in a box. Because people want to put you in a box. But God wants you to find out who you really are. That's what Next Step's all about. Discovering who you are. What God has placed on you. There's a call of God on your life. That doesn't mean you have to be a preacher or, or anything. That means wherever you're at, wherever you, wherever you go, whatever your job is, whatever you do, you represent somebody. And you should be representing God and what he's done in your life. Because see, look, I've learned this. When I'm in love with someone... I will advertise who I'm in love with. When I met my wife, I saw her. She was like a grape, a ripe grape on a vine. I said, I better pick her before somebody else does. And I'm serious. And it's like, I pursued her. I wanted to win her heart. And when I won her heart, we got married. I mean, I was so, you know what I mean? I remember calling my mom when we got engaged. My mom goes, but I remember my mom, she goes, she sounds like a Yankee. (laughs) She's not, mom. She's from Washington State. They weren't even in the Civil War, so don't even go there. He's just going, what's that all about? You know, she just didn't sound like she was from here. She had an identity crisis for a while. Even living here, people go, where are you from? She goes, I'm from the Northwest. When she goes north, where are you from? Well, I'm from here, but I live in Louisiana. And, you know, it's just, and now she sounds like she's from Louisiana. She still corrects my English, but she's from, she speaks proper. She pronounces proper. Right, Jennifer? That's okay. So here we go. Two things you have to watch. We've talked about so far, and I'm going to the third. First, busyness. How many of you say sometimes I'm just so busy I don't see things in front of me? Come on. How many of you know that sometimes we walk in fear? Saying, if I really give God this, what's he going to really do? See, we're afraid to give God something. You know, I was, I was hunting with someone the other day, and they, they, they've been preached at talked to for 30 something years it's my brother okay and i preach to him and everything and he's it's all new to him and all this and i'm a little concerned for him some of the things he says and stuff like that and so i'm just in there he goes you know he's talking about the word i said you know there's something greater than the word of god he goes what there ain't nothing greater than the word oh yes there is He's thinking, and I go, obedience to the word. He goes, oh, I didn't think of that one. See, it's one thing to hear the word. Jesus says, you know me, you know, you love me if you keep my words. See, isn't it amazing that a lot of us know the words? But you know what? When you really get in trouble, 
And when you really get, like, I, I've, I've read this, and I've read stories where people that were in, in concentration camps in Japan, they're guys that, and in Vietnam as well, especially in Vietnam, they would go and they would put them in these containments where they'd be by themselves, but they could hear other people. And a barely a little bit of light. Sometimes they'd get paper. And paper was precious to them. And sometimes they would go. Guys that knew the Lord would tell scriptures that they knew. To each other. So what they would do. They'd bite their fingers. And they'd get a little stick. And they would write the word of God. On a paper. And they would hear other people. And so they would write as much as they could. And they would share with each other. The word of God that was hidden in their heart. You understand? And I'm in in the in the cool thing is that's what sustained them is the word of God. And when they heard the word of God, it became such a real thing. And we we're so in it. And we have look, I, I, how many how many you got more than one Bible? I have a good friend of mine. She's a uh, a recording artist. Her husband does a big show in Nashville. They're both Christians and stuff. His name's Buddy Miller. Her name's Julie Miller. And uh, Buddy's played with the greatest. And I remember when Buddy got saved. But Julie, before she got saved, she had a Bible and she used to use her Bible. She only had three legs on her couch and she used her Bible for the fourth leg to keep her couch up. I've seen people that have them on their coffee table. It's never moved from the pretty picture. Come on, at grandma's house. You know what I'm talking about. I've seen people have Bibles that are all different colors and shapes and sizes and you know, and everything, but it's amazing until you open it up and get to you get to know who the God of the Bible is. It doesn't become real. You say, Pastor, but why are you sharing all this? Because I just believe this. Some of you, I believe this. God's wanting to open your eyes to get you beyond what you see in front of you. Okay? And he doesn't want you to walk in fear. Because here's the thing. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and of a sound mind. Amen? And so God wants you to see the enemy's trick is to make you fear everything. Oh, huh? that's what religion will do. Keep you in a box. God's going to get beyond that. So the third thing is this is religious leaders. See, we have the innkeeper. We have Herod. Now we have the religious leaders. They were just here's what they were. They were just too familiar. You mean this group is the the most shocking. The innkeeper, we can understand he was ignorant. Herod was prideful. This third group of people should have never missed Christmas. How many I'm talking about? They should have just never missed it. But look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Herod called, uh, uh, called the meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Now, here's a question. Here's the religious leaders. They know where he's supposed to be born. Why? Because Micah had prophesied it in chapter 5. And so what happened in Bethlehem in Judea? They said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. I think about that. They knew a lot of people in Israel had been waiting for hundreds of years for this promise, the promised one. And so they knew, but they didn't go. Think about it. They knew where he was going to be born, but they didn't even go. What do you mean, Pastor? None of the religious leaders cared enough to go to Bethlehem to check it out. You ever think about that? They just never went. 
Do you know how far Bethlehem is from Jerusalem? It's not a trick question. Five miles. They didn't, they wouldn't even go five miles to check it out. They knew more of the Old Testament than we could ever hope to know, guys. And yet they miss Christmas. They would rather debate the Savior than go see the Savior. I know a lot of people. I've learned this. I don't try to argue with anybody. I just don't. When it comes to. Now there's some things that I. I I'll make a stand on. You know when it comes. To this doctrinal thing. Strange fire. <laughs> you know. Because I believe this. The Holy Spirit is like a dove. He can be easily grieved. Do you know that? There's a story of a couple that moved to Israel and they'd moved to this house. And when they got there, a dove was on the on the top and they go, oh, it's a sign. The Lord is with us. The dove of the Lord. But the cool thing is what they found out when they would get in an argument, the dove would leave. When he'd walk out the door and slam the door because his wife was yelling, hey, don't come back here. The dove would leave. You know, the dove has one mate for its lifetime. There's a difference between a dove and a pigeon. A pigeon is like a harlot. It'll have multiple mates. It doesn't care if it's grieved. It'll just stick around. They, in, in inner cities, because I walked, I lived in inner cities for the first eight and a half years. They call them flying rats. They are. They're like rats. And the, they're good to eat, though, too. But anyway. I don't know why I said that. I was, oh yeah. They didn't care. All three people who missed Christmas, this group, I believe they were the worst. Why, Pastor Bubba? This is what can happen to you if you've grown up in church all of your life. What do you mean? You become too familiar with Jesus. You can become so familiar with the Christmas story, it doesn't inspire us or amaze us anymore. You've celebrated Christmas and you know the story of the angels, you know the shepherds and the wise men. Today, today a lot of people will participate in, in Christmas traditions. Put up lights, buy gifts, gather with the family, do parties, put a Christmas tree up. But they'll show no concern for why we do all this in the first place. So God could have a relationship with you. And if you miss that, you miss Christmas. That's the meaning of Christmas, that God sent his son as a gift to you and to me. You can still put up Christmas lights, but still be in the dark. You can You see, Ephesians says this, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God, the the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Today, many people miss Christmas because they don't realize their need for Jesus or for the Christ. Isn't it amazing that God comes to earth in human form and not a single religious person is invited?
If you miss Christ, you miss Christmas. Which of three things can, which of these three things can cause you to miss Christmas? First, too busy, too fearful, too familiar. Pride. What do you mean? Too busy. We, we don't want to make, we don't want to make room for, the, for God. We just don't want to make room. We're too busy to make room for God. Or we're too fearful. We don't want to have, we don't want to give God control. Or we're too familiar. We've been religiously intoxicated. What's that? When you get inoculated. That's the word I was looking for. You get religiously inoculated that it doesn't even affect you anymore. You see, we don't think we need God. The whole reason we give gifts at Christmas is because the wise men brought gifts to Jesus. Can you imagine going to a a birthday party and where everybody... Gives gifts to each other except the birthday boy. What are you giving Jesus for his birthday? There used to be a song. What can you give to the king? The king who has everything. Give him a heart that's open and wide. Give him a heart that has nothing to hide. Give him a love that is tender and true. He will give it all back to you. You see, what do I do? I got to give him a heart that's open and wide. And God, there's some things you're going to have to change in my heart. I have nothing to hide. You ever catch your kids doing something they weren't supposed to be doing? Sometimes just give it to me. I love I love my my son Nathan. He's he's gone through a lot of things, but one thing he's never done to me, he hadn't lied that much. Now he's lied a few times. I could tell you my son that lied a lot. He's a pastor now. That's the truth. <laughs> but God has set him free. Him and his Taliban beard. But anyway, if you haven't seen him, he got a big old long beard. I said, you better not come hunting with us. We might shoot you. Anyway. You know, God doesn't have your love unless you give it to him. He doesn't have your trust or life unless you give it to him. I saw a guy a couple of weeks ago, and he came in for counseling. I've helped him since he was in high school. And he came to me again. I said, let me tell you something. I'm going to be honest with you. Can I be brutally honest with you? He goes, yeah, Pastor. I trust you as far as I can throw a rock. And I can see where I throw a rock. I said, you're going to have to build trust. Because everything you've done, you've violated trust. Hello. And see, that's the cool thing about God. You get to start over. How many of you know that if someone told you to hold on to something and they're going to trust you, you, they really didn't need to be trusting you? Okay, when I used to do drugs and they give me drugs, they hey, just don't, I trust you with it. Good, I take a pinch. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't trustworthy. Can I tell you something? I didn't do anything faithfully until I got saved. 
I was living a lie about a lie about a lie. And if someone came, I had a lie about the lie that I told them because I had to remember what the lie was. Come on, anybody say, ouch. Let me just wrap this up. Are y'all with me? Jeremiah says this, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. During the Advent season, let's look for Jesus. Let's look for him. You know, one of the things that I think about, one of the things I've been kind of studying and just looking at, just been doing some things, you know, just reading about the Holy Spirit and things about the Spirit of God and, you know, and um, one of the things that Jesus said that he was filled with the, he was filled with the spirit and with fire. And I started thinking about what does fire do? First thing we know that he was filled when he got baptized with John in the Jordan River and he came like a dove. We know that we know that he was even tempted. Remember, he was tempted, you know, to do, you know, tempted in the wilderness. And the Bible says he left. You know, filled with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I thought, what does that fire represent? And I, fire represents three things. It represents power. How many of you want power in your life? Anybody? Come on. How many of you want power? Sammy, say, say power. Okay. How many of you want? And then fire rep- represents illumination. You can see it from far. It's just, it's, you can see it. It's bright. And we also know that fire brings cleansing. Okay? And and that's the cool thing is that I want you this Christmas not just to be a Christmas bowl, but I want you to be a fire for God. You know, that you would illuminate him wherever you go. That you would have an expectation that wherever you go. See, when's the last time you just prayed and said, God, today I'm on a mission. Whatever you want to do, however you want to use me, whatever you want to speak to me, let's go for it. I do that every day. I do. I go, God, we're on a journey. I'm not mine. I'm yours. Help me to hear, because sometimes I'm hard of hearing. Literally, physically, I am. And then also, God, help me to step out in faith to trust you with the results. Amen? So here's my question. Before you came in here, have you, been, have you just been too busy? Too busy to read your Bible? Too busy to just spend some time with God? Just too busy. When's the last time you just turned the radio off in your car or your truck and just prayed? If you don't know how to pray, I mean, I prayed in tongues all the way here. I didn't know what I was saying, but I was edifying God. And I was edifying my spirit. I'm just saying, I'm just, okay. I prayed some English too. Maybe you're just too fearful. You know what? I saw my grandmother or my daddy and they, they jumped in the boat to follow God. And then somewhere along the line, it just didn't work out. Listen to me. It's your walk with God. your walk. He's a father that you always dreamed of having. He's a comforter to those that are in pain. He's the oil for your wounds. 
You know, when I look at religion, I, I had lots of issues to stay away from religion. You've heard me say it. My mom was Methodist. My dad was Baptist. They fought, so we didn't go to church much because they can agree what church they were going to. My mom's mom was charismatic. My, mom was, my daddy's dad became a Jehovah Witness. She was a Nazarene, and she became a Jehovah Witness. And after that, my mom left my dad, and, and she married another man. He was Catholic. So I didn't need religion. I didn't need it on my state of confusion. I didn't need religion. I grew up in public school. I went to Episcopal school. Catholic school. I saw all the stuff. I ate the Eucharist one time when you weren't supposed to, and a kid told me I was going to bleed from the inside out. I was living in fear. The Cathedral Carmel. Did you? Someone bled. I'm like, the rest of the day, I thought I was going to die. But I was hungry, and it looked good. I drank holy water one time. I ain't kidding. It it was in Sulphur, Louisiana, the Catholic job. The little thing, you know, the little metal thing. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious as a holy water got to be good. <laughs> but here's the thing. See, you know, we're so. We go. <gasps> Don't walk in fear. Fear will limit the possibilities God has for you. He's the God of the impossible. He makes impossible. He makes possible the things that seem impossible. What I love to do is I love to meet some of Jamie's old friends and stuff. And they go, oh, you know what Pastor Jamie used to be like? I mean, he used to play the piano in churches for money. And he would go get stoned. That's the truth. Am I lying? Okay. Don't y'all look at Pastor Jamie like, yo, you shame on Pastor Jamie. What about you? Hey, we got a video set for you. All right, we're going to turn it on. Anyway, no, we're not. We could go through the whole thing. But see, we're too busy. We're too fearful. I don't fit in the mold of being religious. God's not, God doesn't want you to be religious. God wants you to be real. Because you know he's the kind of God that will be real with you. He knows what will hurt you. He knows what will cause pain. That's why he speaks to us. That's why he sends a comforter, the Holy Spirit, to speak to us, to guide us and lead us in the way that we should go, even though we don't know where to go. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like, which way do we go? Where, 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 where do we go? And the next thing is, you know what? If you become religious, you just miss it. I remember a guy he used to wear a cross, man. I mean, you could almost crucify somebody on it. And I thought, man, he is religious. Nothing compared to Arthur Blessed who walked with a cross on his back all over the world. What about Jesus that bore the cross for you and me? He wasn't too busy thinking about himself. He's thinking about you. He wasn't fearful. He did say, Lord, let this cup pass from me. He said, not my will, Father, but your will be done. And religious leaders looked at him and scorned him while he was on the cross. And then remember what he said at the end? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. They were just blind. And the cool thing is, is he went to hell, took the keys of hell, death, and the grave, and rose from the grave. It's a picture of you and me. 
that we die. And when we die and we give him our life, he gives us a new life.